Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. My name is Christine Heath, and I'm here today with my mentor and partner in crime, <laughs> Judy Sedgman. We really enjoy doing these things, I'll tell you. It's um, one of the highlights of my day to get together with my friend. Isn't it great that somebody told us the other day, they said, they said, you know, your podcast is so great and it's so inspiring to have people of your age doing such an exciting thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, for us too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so inspiring to us that you can be so creative and be, and then they stop themselves before they said so old. But anyway, it, it is pretty darn exciting that we're still clumping so along. Yeah, and, and honestly, you know, that's kind of one of the things that makes this different from psychology because I run into people that have been in the field of psychology for, you know, as many years as I have, which is just 50 years now maybe. And uh, uh, they're like, oh, my God, I'm so bored. I just do the same thing over and over again. There's People have the same problems all the time. It's like I don't have anything new. And, or they're kind of jaded in terms of how people won't listen and they won't change. And the the spirit, which is what we talked about last last week, that our spirituality is like that is so alive, right? Because until you're until you're you, you've checked out, that is creating experience in you. So when you're really aware of that, life just does not get boring, and it does not get old, and you're still coming up with new ideas. So you know, I hope this is inspirational to lots of people. Yeah, yeah, because it sure is fun for us anyway. So one of the things we were talking about in our uh, in our psychology has it backwards. The program is a lot of people will show up for the that who have been around the principles for a while or have been in psychology and just haven't really been able to find a sense of peacefulness and and really be able to live in a beautiful feeling. And a lot of people have had a lot of traditional psychology and have been kind of stuck in a rut about that for a while. So one of the things that we noticed is that in, in traditional psychology, when um, you're dealing with people, you tend to have to have a lot of subcontractors. <laughs> so the person, I say the person comes to me for an alcohol addiction. And in the past, I might have sent them to a group for their LGBTQ plus uh, issues or relationship issues or trauma issues. Now the new thing is trauma-informed treatment. Um, mm. And so there were all these like different things and people come up with this idea that, you know, like you have to be on my side. So if you're doing family counseling or relationship counseling, that if you have a relationship with one person that somehow you, you wouldn't want to do indi you know individual and couples work with the same people so you have all these therapists <laughs> working with the same family and they get like they're coming and going all over the place it's 
And everybody's got a little different slant on what they're doing. Um, but most of traditional people, right, are kind of looking at solving problems and getting people to see things differently um, by thinking about it or changing their behavior or, you know, doing practices, you know, where you're practicing being in a, a, a quiet mind. So it's just very complicated for people. You know, it's like you've got all of these problems to address. And one of the things we've noticed is that when people are really um, distressed, like they're living in a really bad state of mind, they frequently have a lot of problems. It's not just one thing, right? It's like there's all this stuff going on. In fact, if people only had one thing, they probably wouldn't be in therapy. But um, by the time, you know, it's like you're, as your level of consciousness drops, you're doing things to try to help yourself to make it go up again, right? But whatever you're coming up with to do actually makes it worse. So you keep going down until maybe, you know, you, you're having uh, trouble with everything. That's, you know, one of the things we look at is people have a troubled life and they have trouble with relationships and they have trouble keeping a job and they have trouble with their um children and they have trouble with everything, their work. And so the more trouble you have in your life, the more insecure you get and the more you try to figure out how to fix it. So then you go to therapy and the therapist tells you, oh, you've got all these troubles and we have to deal with each one individually. Well, good God, therapy is going to go forever that way. And it does. And it does. Really, it does. Or you get people get so overwhelmed with all the therapy they're doing that they drop out. And they go back to their old habits and say, I can't handle it. It's too much. Right. And so because it's kind of infinite, the number of things you could analyze about your past, depending on how old you are, the older you get, the more past you have, the more you can analyze the crap out of it. Right. So it's um, it's just interesting because what we do is instead of fixing problems for people or dealing with their the cause of their insecurity, the source of it. What we're helping people to do is see that their health is inside of them and always, no matter what. So none of those issues need to be addressed directly. I mean, that's not, if people bring things up, we talk about it, but we're really always taking them back to the understanding that they're healthy, that they're healthy, that they're healthy, that they're healthy. And, and pretty soon you start getting through to them like, oh, I'm not my problems. I'm not my problems. No, you're the health inside of you. And so you only need one person to do that. You don't have to have a, a whole trio. I mean, you can if everybody's working on the same thing. Like sometimes we do intensives with people, right? And we'll have people come in more than once a week. Because um, to me, sometimes the, the thinking a person does is so powerful in their mind that once a week is like spitting in the wind. You know, it just doesn't do that much. So when people are more troubled, we tend to see them more frequently and frequently we'll use more than one therapist just because of the logistics of it. But because we're all coming from the same understanding and we're all pointing people to that beautiful feeling, that's what makes it an easy thing to do. And that's different because in traditional therapy, like people sometimes won't even see people within their own organization. They have to have somebody outside of the organization because it feels like the therapist would be on one side or the other. Oh my goodness. Hmm. So we're kind of looking at drawing, like in family therapy or relationships, we're looking at bringing people together 
and seeing what's common and what's what how love takes form. That's why they're there is they've dropped out of the feeling of love and got caught up in whatever insecurities and created a mess. So to clean up the mess, you have to turn around and find the love that's in you. So you don't have to go to nine different therapists. So one of the things we noticed in our group is that as people get better, they frequently have their support groups, right? So it's, it's an alcohol addiction support group, or they have a an eating support group, eating disorder support group, or a, um, a women's support group. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but just remember that when, when you're doing that, you're still thinking you have a problem, A, that you need support with, B. Okay, and so that's really kind of how we get caught in the illusion that we have problems that we need to manage or deal with that we can't handle on our own. Now, the truth is, is that there is some truth in that, right? Because when we try to manage or handle our problems with the same thinking that created it, we don't do very well. So when you're in a group of people and you come together for the good reason, you know, sometimes you hear somebody say something because you're listening and it hits you. You go, oh, yeah, I'm not broken. And then that helps you. But then you blame it on the group, right? Because it looks like it came from being in that support group at that time. So we're not really saying that going to support groups and doing that kind of thing is bad. But just know that by doing that, you're still in in an outside-in kind of experience. And so when you try to do life from the inside out, and then you've got one foot in that world and then one foot in the other world, you're going to be drawn to the outside-in thing just because of the level of consciousness of the world and the place that you've been coming from is more familiar. So we try to kind of keep it moving towards simplicity rather than complexity. And the present moment, keeping people, keeping them out of their past problems and into the power they have in the present to resolve things. And the two things that I thought of when you were talking, Chris, and that was beautiful, was um, when I used to do groups on the dual diagnosis unit, which is for alcoholics who are also depressed, which is pretty much everybody. But anyway, um, that I. Uh, so many people would say would really love this group and they would show up for my group and then they would not want to go to so many other groups because on that unit, they started them from first thing after breakfast until right before dinner. It was group after group after group. They'd have a break for lunch. Then they'd go to another group. Then they'd go to another group, you know, and then they'd go to say an exercise group and then they'd go to dinner and then they'd go to another group and then they'd go to bed. And so, and the groups were all on these various topics about alcoholism. And, um, or it, in my group, I never talked about alcoholism because first of all, that's the reason they're in there is that they're already, they already know more than I'll ever know about it. And second of all, they, nobody ever talks to them about how not to have that be a problem for you anymore, how to be able to set that aside and see what causes you to look for any kind of a solution, any kind of a crutch, any kind of a distraction. And they really liked my group because we weren't focused on something being wrong with them. I was focused on what they have, the power they have inside of them that they didn't know they had. 
And they would sit there and they'd say, well, nobody talks about that. You know, none of the other groups is sometimes people would say, why don't some of these other people talk about it? Well, you know, I don't have the answer to that because they maybe don't know about it either. But um, I would say, well, don't worry about that. The important thing is what you know for yourself. It's not even important that anybody else in your life know it if you see it. And if you don't see it, somebody talking about it all day isn't going to make much difference. So while you're in this group, let's just look for that. But the way you look for it is to find it in the present, find it in the moment, and suddenly people get touched. They, they, they contact that within themselves, and they go, oh, my head just cleared. People have actually said that, you know, oh, my gosh, my head just cleared. And the, the second thing I thought of was uh, the PTSD groups that I did recently where um, these guys, all, most of them had been to Iraq and Afghanistan. Most of them that were in this program that I was part of, they, they were all in the same age group and most of them had been to one or the other of those two places. And so they had very common experiences. And so they would go to these other programs, and I'm not even sure who was offering them, but they were also sent to a lot of programs. And they would have, you know, trauma, a lot of things about trauma, reliving trauma until you come to peace with it. You know, they would have um, groups about um, reintegrating into society as though there was something you should do, you know, like getting to know your family again, that kind of thing. But there was never anything about how you could be at peace even though you were at war. You've been at war. And so I used to call my groups, you know, Peace Beyond War. And um, and these guys would come to it and we wouldn't talk about war. And they would say, well, most of the groups we talk about, you know, we end up telling stories and talking about when my buddy got blown up and all this stuff. And I said, well, why would you want to talk about that? That's what you're trying to forget about. You're trying to get that off your mind and develop new thoughts about life now. You know, and and if you keep bringing up the old thoughts, you just bring up the old feelings every time you do and blah, blah, blah. The next thing you know, you're right back in the battle and you're not here. And so one of the guys who had a traumatic brain injury, and it was a very funny thing because somebody told him that he really was dysfunctional. And so every time he spoke in group, he would say, please forgive me, I have a traumatic brain injury, and I know I'm probably not going to make a lot of sense, but I just want to say something. And then he would say some really profound thing, <laughs> and he made perfect sense. And, and, and he, well, he was a good listener because he didn't talk much because he had this idea in his head that you know he wasn't going to make sense. So he was really taking it in, and he was picking up the feeling picking up the feeling and he would always start to talk towards the end of the group and then he would say these really deeply meaningful things and I remember because he came up to me at one time at the end of one of the groups and he said you know I really appreciate the fact that you talk to me as though I didn't have a traumatic brain injury but um and I appreciate that you let me talk in the group and I'm really sorry if I'm you know sounding crazy or like I don't make sense and I said, you know, you just got to drop that thought because you make a lot of sense. And the reason that I want you to talk is because it helps people. Because when they hear you, they, they can feel how deeply you feel what you're saying. And that's really important. That's what we're driving at. And I said, you could be leading the group. You don't even, it's, I don't care about your traumatic brain injury. You're doing fine. 
And he said, well, I really want to go back to work, but they told me I couldn't. They put me on disability. And I said, well, why don't you go back and ask if they can, can reconsider? And he said, no, I'm labeled now. I'm a TBI. That never, that never gets better. And I, and I had to, I go, I went and dug up articles about the plasticity of the brain and all these things to help him. But the thing is, that's what, that's how, that's the missing piece there is not to see that all these groups, people are doing the best they can to make you feel as good about yourself as you can, given your problem. And we're saying our problems are temporary experiences that we have when our thinking creates that situation or we find ourselves in that situation and have to think about it. But that's not life. Problems are incidents in the whole string of life. But life is living in a beautiful feeling as much as you can and looking at the world and seeing what you can make of it. You know, I think that one of the things about those kind of support groups that people go to that's really beautiful is really the power in them to help people. Like people got it. You know, that when people come together for a common good purpose, that there's something that happens in people. Like I I love the the fellowship in AA, you know, and but psychology has affected AA big time. Like back in the day, they didn't care about, you know, what happened to you when you were a kid or anything else. They were just like focusing on what they can do to help you to 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 stay sober and live a life that was more productive. And, but the more psychology and treatment has affected AA, the more it's focused on, you know, doing really negative things or not doing negative things. I mean, and really talking about it, staying in the past and doing those kinds of things where originally it really wasn't designed that way. But there is something, I mean, I think we, I want to give credit to what really is helpful is when human beings come together, there is a fellowship. And that's where the power is. But when you give the power for that to the group, you are basically saying, I don't have control over myself. And that not that what the problem is anyway? Is that you think you don't have control over your drinking or your addiction or whatever it is you're eating or whatever it is you need support to help. So, you know, that, that to me is where it gets off a little bit. But there is something that happens. I mean, you get a a group of people who all want to have a better life. They have a good, you know, kind of purpose in life and, and they love each other. They're like there for each other. They don't judge you. And so there's lots of good things, but it loses some of the possibilities of the power it could have because it gets focused on the problem. And as a result of that problem, stay around and people say things like, well, you're going to be, this is going to be your lot in life. For the rest of your life, you always have to keep your mind on it and you have to keep thinking about the fact that you're going to relapse, might relapse. And then, of course, because you're thinking about it all the time, you do. And then it's like, see, I knew I was going to relapse, right? And, and that's the, the problem with problems is that they seem like they have to be solved and they can't. So then we decide there's something we have to live with. And so I'm going to need this support group for the rest of my life rather than seeing that kind of as a first step in developing a network of friends, a network of human beings that care about you and love you and are there for you and aren't going to scam you or rob you or, you know, cheat on you, do things like that. People that are in a little higher level of consciousness. 
So if we could see that that's really the point of that is to get a taste of that and then create your, your own your own world that's a reflection of that connectedness. I think that that it'd be things would be more successful but when it looks like it's going to be the savior to me and then it doesn't work. It's the same thing happens with the principles. We had somebody come in our group the other day and say, "Well, the principles don't work for me." And we're uh, like, oh, okay. Well, what she's trying to do is think her way out of her thinking. And so the principles don't help with anything. The principles just explain how we're creating our moment-to-moment experience. They're not things. They're just a way of describing how the energy of life flows through us and what we can do within ourselves to make a difference to turn around and touch that feeling that comes before all that thinking. That's really lovely too. That may remind me of something that might be a little bit funny, but uh, one of my veterans went to a uh, thing at the veterans uh, uh, hospital. There was a group for uh, alcoholics. And so in the first group, and you can see the innocence in this, the group leader told them, look, you know, everybody relapses. It's just, you know, there's no alcoholic that ever doesn't relapse. So don't worry about it. You'll probably relapse in this group, but you can still come back. You know, you can come back to group. We don't throw you out of group when you relapse. So he hears, I'm going to relapse. I might as well get it over with. And he leaves that group. It was the first group and it was on a Friday afternoon and goes on a weekend bender to get it over with. Okay. I relapsed. I feel that that uh, obligation of the group, and he goes back. He's all you know, remorseful the next week, and he tells the group leader, "Well, I got it behind me now. I relapsed." And the group leader was just appalled and said, "Well, why? Why did you do that? You know, you didn't have." He said, "Well, you said we were going to relapse, and I, I figure I got eight weeks in the group, and if I got over with in the beginning, then I could listen and learn for the rest of the group." And this is how innocent it is. You know, that we have these thoughts about you know, how powerful the idea that there's something wrong with me and I have to deal with it. And I always think of that story because he was such a cute guy. And he's, he said, and then she's mad at me. I can't understand it. I would thought I was smart. You know, why wait to the end and then spoil the whole thing? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. That's, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's just innocent because because the way that we've been helping people hasn't been deep enough. People have continued to struggle with change, any change. It doesn't matter whether you're an alcoholic or you had an affair or you, you know, malfunctioned in some other way. It's just that when we make it be about the malfunction, we make it be about the, the so-called problem we have, and then we identify with that, hey, you're going to create it. That's how thought works. So to me, it's like you are really like that part of you when you were talking about the, the finding peace and finding hope and to really help people to see that no matter what their problem is, they don't have to go to different therapists to see everything that's wrong in their life and analyze it and manage it. I mean, that makes people so crazy. They're, now they're thinking even more. And they're getting more caught up in it and it doesn't work. So they get hopeless, you know, so it's really just kind of recognizing to me that 
human beings are all the same and quite creative in how they create their life and the things they think of to do to try to make it better, I have to admit. It's always amazing to me what human beings come up with to do that becomes dysfunctional for them. But remembering the other way, instead of looking at the differences, we're looking at the truth in us. We're looking at the health in us, that everyone has that inside of them. And you want to focus there, and then all of those problems change. It changes across the board. You don't have to focus on it to change it. You change the space you're coming from, the level of consciousness you're living at, and your life changes. It must that's a nice place to stop, I think, but I love that. So thank you very much for being a part of our podcast and uh, we'll see you again next week. And if you'd like to know more about the program and join it, please check our website at psychologyasabackwards.com. And until next time, bye-bye. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.